And you're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we have in the studio today? Why, it's Eddie G! The return of? The return of the uh, Black History Music Month. Ed Lasco. Who are you? Who? Who are you? Crazy Ed. Ed Lasco, Vancouver record collector, or Ed Lasco, Crazy Ed Lasco, with Black History Month Part 2. Part 2, yes. We started Part 1 last week. We ran out of time, and now Part 2, Black History Month Part 2. More girls! Well, we said we was going to play a Rosetta Tharp last week, and we didn't get to it, so... Uh, we had to deliver, and we did. What can you say about that particular track? Well, uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp was uh, she was born on March twentieth, nineteen fifteen. She was a songwriter, guitarist, and vocalist. She's the original soul sister, the godmother of rock and roll. She influenced Little Richard, Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry, Johnny Cash, and Jerry Lee Lewis, Aretha Franklin, and everybody else that was interested in gospel that came in her wake. Uh, she had her first hit in 1939. She was gospel's first crossover artist because she charted on the R&B charts. She was married several times, but uh, in the late 40s, she took up with um, Marie Knight, who was also on that track. And they were partners uh, on stage in between the sheets. Uh, she was discovered by John Hammond, and she was on the Spirituals to Swing in December 1938, when she was a mere 23 years old. And you can see a couple clips of her on YouTube, right? Oh, you can see a lot of, of her on YouTube, yeah. Um, the, the, for, from her early career uh, to her um, second career when she was discovered in uh, the UK when uh, Chris Barber brought her over there. Yeah, there's a lot of tracks. Sister? 
Rosetta Tharp and the first uh, hot woman guitar player. That was her playing that lead guitar. And we have Ed Lasco, Crazy Ed with Black History Month Part 2. And we have some feedback, Ed. Yeah. What do we got? Hi, Nardwar. I really enjoyed your show last Friday, especially since I have just been reading a book about Louis Armstrong and the music that you played was all the stuff I'd just been reading about in the book. I didn't know much about it before, so your show was a perfect compliment. It brought the book and the music it talks about to life for me. The book is called Louis Armstrong, Master of Modernism by Thomas Brothers, by the Thomas Brothers, by Thomas Brothers. It is a bit academic, but in a good way and interesting. I especially like the songs that you played by Bessie Smith and Bing Crosby, Louis Armstrong. What fantastic voices. My dad is retired a journalist, and he interviewed quite a few interesting people in his career. He tells me that Bing Crosby was one of the nicest people he ever interviewed. He also told me that made a pass at him when he interviewed him. And actually, he also was a TA at UBC. Bye for now, Erica. So uh, some feedback. Yes. Did you know that uh, Bing Crosby had a Vancouver connection? Well, he was born in Spokane, Washington, as we keep mentioning over and over again. Well, I don't uh, I think he grew up in Tacoma. But anyway, um, uh, did you know that there was uh, uh, a racetrack in Richmond called the Lansdowne Racetrack? And it was part owned by Bing Crosby. And he came up here quite often to go fishing. So Erica really enjoyed the Bing Crosby, Louis Armstrong, and Bessie Smith. What can I say about Bessie Smith again and Bing Crosby and Louis Armstrong? One of the only non-black people played on the Black History Month Part 1 last week. Well, um, Bing was just ever so hip. Uh, you know, like I think I told you, he was uh, a star already uh, when when he was just a, a mere teenager. He was uh, featured with the um, um, Whiteman Orchestra, Paul Whiteman's orchestra in the late 20s, which was uh, the biggest white uh, orchestra at the time. So, it, so he was... Uh, he was getting a, a lot of stage time and a, a lot of um, time in the limelight and uh, went on from there. In the 30s, uh, he was uh, the, the biggest uh, vocalist at, uh, of the times. And, uh, of course, his career was long-lasting right through the, the, the 50s, the 60s, and into the 70s and beyond. And right now... Aside from Bessie Smith, which you played last week, we have all queued up. Well, uh, we just heard Sister Rosetta Tharp, and now we, we're going to uh, we're going to play some more gospel. This is Mahalia Jackson. Uh, we got queued up. She was the the queen of gospel. She had a dozen million sellers, forty fives. Her influences were Ma Rainey and Bessie Smith. In 1929, she met Thomas A. Dorsey, uh, also known as the father of gospel, and she toured with him for 14 years. She first recorded in 1941. What year is this from? This is from October 1958. And what year was right off the top did we hear? What did we hear? 
Uh, Sister Rosetta Tharp and Marie Knight. What year? Oh, what year? Um, I have to guess at that one. It's um, not easy to, to date the, that particular series. So I'm thinking about 52, maybe 51. So here we have... Mahalia Jackson. On Black History Month, Part 2, with guest DJ... Eddie J.
in. You're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, with guest DJ Crazy. And we just heard. What did we just hear? Art Tatum f- yeah, doing a um, a Fats Waller tune called um, "Ain't Misbehaving." And you are saying that the DJ setup here isn't quite optimum. Well, those turntables are very peculiar. They're, they're, they're made for a Martian. They're set up for a Martian. They're not set up for a human being, you know. And I will say that a lot of these records are scratchy, right? Well, these are the original grooves. You're li- listening to the original scratches. And a lot are French, too. We had a French tune right before that. Well, no, we didn't. We had oh. a French record, but uh, there ain't nothing French about the tune. That was uh, a mark, and, and that wasn't just before it. It was, um, well, actually, I guess that was the first song in the set, now that I think about it, or the second tune in the set. What did we just hear? <laughs> oh, now you want to know. Okay, well, that was Art Tatum. Um, actually, there, there's a, What did we just hear, though, Crazy Ed? I already said that was Ain't Misbehaving by Art Tatum. You want to hear me again? Okay, it was Ain't Misbehaving by Art Tatum. It ain't going to change. <laughs> now, now listen, there's a, there's a real neat story about, uh, about uh, these professors. Piano players were called professors. And in New York back in the, the, the I guess, through, through the late 30s to through the late 40s, uh, these professors would get together after their gigs for uh, all-night jam sessions, uh, and they used to uh, they used to play a couple games. Uh, one was cut, and the other was chase. Cut was when when you had to play a better riff than the last guy played, and chase is uh, you had to play the the riff exactly the way the the guy played it. So anyway, um, one time. Uh, Fats Waller is playing, and he stops playing, and he says to, to the crowd, he says, you know, I, I'm a pretty good piano player, but God has just walked into the room. Who was that? Hardware? Oscar Peterson. It was Art Tatum. <laughs> and uh, and uh, ask, actually, Oscar Peterson was very intimidated by Art Tatum and would very rarely play in his presence. Art Tatum was born in uh, Toledo, Ohio in 1909. Uh, He was vision impaired, totally blind in one eye and couldn't see much out of the other. He taught himself to play by ear at age three. Three! And he was blessed with perfect pitch. Now, before that, we had the Soulsters, and the Soulsters had an incredible career that spanned 80 years. They were started in 1926 in Trinity, Texas. Um, they were influenced by Mahalia Jackson and Sister Rosetta Tharp. Big, uh, big surprise. And that was um, Jesus Gave Me Water What was uh, a huge hit. Uh, and uh, that was Sam Cooke's first record. from what 19- year? From 1951. I'm always interested in a year. When we can give it to you, we gladly will. That was 1951. I'm not sure what year Ain't Misbehaving was. It uh, could have been 47, I'd guess. It probably took a couple of years for these records to come out, right? Um, not necessarily, no. Uh, no, all of these things were released at the time. Uh, we started that set off with Heaven, Heaven by Marion Anderson, Miriam 
Anderson, born in uh, Philadelphia in 1897. Um, she broke the collar collar barrier in 1955. She was the first Negro, they were Negroes back then, to sing at the New York Metropolitan Opera. In 1958, she was officially designated a delegate to the UN. She was a goodwill ambassador for the U.S. And you are still listening to the History of Black Music, Part 2, with guest DJ, Eddie J. And we did have a Twitter tweet, at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R. And Mike said, open the door, Richard, back with Richard Gets Married. Now, could you please tell the backstory on this particular release? Well, I'm not sure what he was uh, referring to. Um, Probably the picture that we sent out there. Um, the picture of Chuck Berry. Open the Door, Richard, was a huge hit in about 1947. It was covered by several people. I think the, the group that had the original hit was the Three Flames for the Columbia Record Company. Um, it was recorded af- thereafter by Dusty Fletcher, I think, did a version by Z- for Savoy in about the mid-50s. And I think Chuck Berry did a version, too. Right now, we would like you to tell the story of Cats. Who? Cats. Cats? I got tickets to Cats. No, Cats. The play. No, Cats. You're a cat. Cat, oh, you're. What, 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 what is this all about now? What you is, told me to ask you about a cat. Well, okay, now all musicians are called cats. Because you mentioned professor. Well, professors are the piano players, and that's what we're uh, we're doing right now. We started with Art Tatum, who was uh, maybe the greatest of of them all, uh, and then we got Oscar Peterson lined up, and and is is quietly waiting on the turntable for his chance. And then we're going to have Mary Lou Williams, who was a fantastic female piano player. But cats, okay. So uh, 116 years ago in New Orleans. There was pet fads, and first it was turtles, and then it was parrots, and then it was dogs, and then it was cats. And just when it was cats, it was fashionable to name your cat after yourself. So, so Louis Armstrong would have his cat name Louis. And uh, there became a crossover. It became confusing because uh, when you were talking about Louis, were you talking about Louis the man or Louis the cat? And that is how musicians became known as cats. And you cannot find this in any book, and you can't find it on YouTube, and you can't find it anywhere. But you've got it right here on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. Black History Month, Part 2, with guest DJ... AJ! And here we have Oscar Peterson from what year on red vinyl? Very rare. This is um, from about 52, 53. This is Lover. Thank you. 
Just because you're pretty and you think you're mighty wise You tell me that you love me, then you roll those big brown eyes When I saw you last week, your eyes were turning black Go find the guy that beat you up, ask him to take you back Don't roll those bloodshot eyes at me I can tell you've been out on a spree It's plain that you're lying When you say that you've been crying Don't roll those bloodshot eyes at me Now I used to spend my money To make you look real sweet I wanted to be proud of you When we walked down the street Now don't ask me to dress you up in satin and in silk Your eyes look like two cherries In a glass of buttermilk Don't roll those bloodshot eyes at me I can tell that you've been out on a spree It's plain that you're lying When you say that you've been crying Don't roll those bloodshot eyes at me Our little romance has finally simmered down You should join a circus You'd make a real good clown Your eyes look like a road map I'm scared to smell your breath You better shut your peepers Before you bleed to death Don't roll those bloodshot eyes at me I can tell You've been out on a spree It's plain that you're lying When you say that you've been crying Don't roll those bloodshot eyes at me Ah, 
And you are still listening to the history of black music on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, Part 2, brought to you by... ADG! Crazy Ed Lasco. And what did we just hear right there? Well, whatever we heard right there at the beginning, we, we started off with... Uh, <laughs> now, we have, we have a little argument going on here, don't we, Ed? You like to go right to the front, right to the back, to what we played from the top, and I like to go backwards. And you claim I have never liked to go backwards, that I always have gone from the top. I don't want to say anything about this. Anyway, um, yeah. But from the top, can we at least see that? From the top. Yes, from the top, we had uh, Lover by Oscar Peterson. And, of course, Oscar was born in Montreal, Quebec in 1925. In 2007, he died in Mississauga, Ontario. He recorded over 200 records. He had eight Grammy Awards. At age five, he played trumpet and piano, but at age seven, he had he came down with TB. And that, uh, I guess, uh, left him with weak lungs, so he practiced on the piano and concentrated on piano after that. And he would practice four to six hours every day. So if you, you listen to, to these guys and you think, well, what wonderful talent they had. Well, it came with a lot of work. They say that you can become an expert on anything in 10,000 hours. Which I disagree with. You do? What yes. Do you, what do you think? 20,000? Well, I've heard that the first 50 years are the worst. So <laughs> 50 years. Um, in that particular release, the Oscar Peterson had the colored vinyl. Orange wax. And uh, you know what? I've only ever seen two uh, Mercury records on colored wax, and they were both Oscar Petersons. And I own both of them. And I've never seen other copies of them. They're very unusual. Um, next we had Mary Lou Williams and, you know, uh, for the early piano players up till, let's say 69, the, th the three greatest piano players are Art Tatum, Oscar Peterson and Mary Lou Williams. And actually that was Mary Lou Williams with an all girl band. She was born 1910 in Atlanta, Georgia. She recorded more than a hundred records. At age six, she was already playing at parties to help support her family. And then we moved into Blue Shouters. And, of course, we started with uh, Joe Turner, born 1911 in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, he was the boss of the blues. And he also played on John Hammond's uh, famous From Spirituals to Swing concert in December 1938. On that particular cut um, from January 1954, that was a huge R&B hit. It went to number six and was on the charts for seven weeks. That features Fats Domino on piano and Elmore James on slide guitar. TV Mama. TV Mama. That is a very 1950s theme, isn't it? Well, I suppose so because, you know, uh, TVs were becoming more and more affordable. Uh, TVs were actually re invented in the uh, late 30s. And I think the first color TV was uh, around by the late 40s. But uh, in the early 50s, they, that's when the common folk uh, were able to afford them. And I said, here comes some rock and roll. 
Well, this is all pre-rock and roll, but uh, yeah, the, these blue shouters—they uh, they, they um, led into rock and roll. There's no doubt about it. And that the next uh, character we had there was Winoni Harris, Mr. Blues. Uh, he had 15 top 10 hits between 1946 and 52. Of course, we're talking R&B charts. Bloodshot Eyes was number six on the charts. Uh, he was born uh, in 1915 in Omaha, Nebraska. Mr. Blues. He started his career as a dancer. And now we're going to play some something very risque. We're going to play another blues shatter. Um, this is Bull Moose Jackson. Although he was a blue shatter, um, he's, he started his uh, career as a balladeer. He had uh, some, some ballad hits in the late 40s. One time I found a whole bunch of uh, Bull Moose Jackson uh, red leaf, not red leaf, maple leaf 78s. And I thought, oh boy, this is going to be great. And I, I got them home and I played them and they were all ballads. What up? Big disappointment. Anyway, um, by 1952, I guess King was getting desperate, so they had him recording different things. So that's when he recorded this risque classic, Big 10-inch record. Which we've heard on other radio stations. And uh, Big 10-inch, of course, 78s were 10-inch records. And actually, the first uh, format for the LP was also 10-inch. And I think that's what uh, what he's referring to. He was born uh, in 1919 in Cleveland, Ohio. He began singing when uh, he was uh, in the Lucky Millinder band and Winoni Harris uh, wasn't available, so he had to stand in for Winoni Harris. Here we go. With special guest DJ, the history of black music part two. Crazy Ed! Got me the strangest woman Believe me, this chick's no sense But I really get her going When I take out my big 10-inch Record of the band that plays the blues The band that plays the blues She just loves my big 10-inch Record of her favorite blues I gave her a little pinch But she said, now stop that jiving And get out that big 10-inch Record of the band that played the blues Well, the band that played the blues She just loved my big 10-inch Record of her favorite blues I cover her with kisses When we're in a love with clinch And when she gets all excited she begs for my big 10-inch record of the band that plays the blues. Well, the band that plays the blues. She just loves that big 10-inch record of her favorite blues. Smoking, 
And liquor just makes her flinch. See, she just goes for nothing. Except my big 10-inch record of the band that plays the blues. Well, the band that plays the blues. She just loves my big 10-inch record of her favorite blues.
You're still listening to CITR Radio, the history of black music with guest DJ Crazy Ed. And we just played the wrong song there, according to you. According to you. But you like to start from the top. So let's start from the top. I was going to go backwards this time. Since you're going backwards too. Okay. We played the wrong song. But is there really a wrong Ray Charles to play? Well, not with that record, because, you know, both sides of the record were hits. So actually, Come Back was uh, a, a hit on the R&B charts, uh, went to number four for 15 weeks. And um, so really, for that record, no. That was from January 55. And of but course, the song you wanted to play was? I've Got a Woman. So the thing about Ray Charles is he, t- he took uh, gospel tunes and put secular words to them. And when he did that, he got uh, all the uh, people that were really into gospel very angry at him. And um, I think uh, that rubbed off on him. Uh, you, know, I, you know, he took a lot of flack for a lot of years. And then finally, uh, in the early 60s, he kind of turned his back on R&B. I remember going to one of his concerts, and he didn't play not one, not even one R&B tune. He played all country and western. Uh, according to R, uh, according to Ray himself, he one of his first bands was a country and western band, and he says he loved country and western always. Um, even when he had his huge crossover hit, "What I Say," he was talking about recording um, country music. He did some for Atlantic, but when he went to A and B, that's when he started having huge hits. 
He was born uh, in 1930. Uh, they call him the genius. They call him the high priest of soul. Uh, at age seven, he was blind. His uh, big inf- influence was Nat King Cole. He tried to be Nat King Cole for a long time. Uh, here's something that's interesting. Atlantic bought his contract for $2,500. Uh, so he's one of those artists that uh, that got bought out. Um, so uh, Ray Charles, uh, one of the huge influences on... Um, on soul music, and we're going to continue with that uh, theme uh, with James Brown. But before that, we had uh, the honkers, the sax players. And before that, we had Lee Allen walking with Mr. Lee. Lee Allen was uh, part of Dave, Dave Bartholomew's band, and he backed the Fats Domino in his early hits. He also backed Lloyd Price and Little Richard. Uh, in the 90s, he revived his career and, and played with the Blasters. There's a nice little story about Lee Allen. Um, you know, of course, he had, uh, you know, all of these uh, hits backing up the artist I just mentioned. So uh, when he was getting signed to a contract, the, uh, you know, the, the guy that was recruiting him said, well, do you have any of your own original material? And Lee Allen said, yeah, I've got lots of stuff. And so they set up the recording date and he showed up and he didn't have a thing. So they just faked it. Um, Walking with Mr. Lee uh, for, from January 58 was his big hit. Went to only number 54 on the charts. Was that on the Regency record label? In uh, Canada, that's right. The Regency record label. The Regency record label in Canada, because yeah. there was a Regency in the United States, But too. the Regency of Canada had lots of cool local artists, right? Like Little Daddy was on the Regency... No, he was on RCA. Okay, but there were a few. The Nocturnals were on Regency. This is true. Okay. That much is true. Before that, we had Sil Austin, uh, born in 1929 in Danelian, Florida. He was also a, another guy that was self-taught at uh, 12 years old. He won the, the Ted Mack Amateur Hour. Uh, Slow Walk was uh, his big hit, a uh, huge hit, uh, from, uh, number 17 on the Hot 100, number 3 on the R&B charts. Brad Robinson charted it at number 8 for two weeks. Guess what I was doing May 21st, 1997? Well, you weren't doing a show at CITR, were you? Not that night. I was at the Yale, and I was listening to Big Joe Houston blow his saxophonium. And uh, Big Joe was born in Austin, Texas in 1926. Uh, he recorded with Joe Turner and um, didn't have too, too many hits yet, but he did have a couple. But a great, great sax player, mostly on other people's records. And now... Uh, actually, we did hear, and again, you can tweet at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R. We tweeted out a picture of what? What is that a picture of? It is a picture of a Chuck Berry LP, a picture sleeve, right? Chuck, Chuck Berry 45 in the original picture uh, sleeve, uh, an original company sleeve, excuse me. And Ed tweeted back at us, open the door, Richard, backed with Richard Gets Married, to which you responded, Ed, via at Nardwar, N-A-R-D-W-U-A-R, the Three Flames, 1947, and Mike now says, found it, Count Basie, 
1947. I know he's that in there. That was a cover. I can hear. I'm breathing. That was a cover. Uh, the Three Flames were the original. So there you have it. From the History of Black Music Authority, Eddie J, Volume 2. Volume 2. This is Volume 2, right, of the History of Black Music. This is Part 2. Part 2. And right now, 2016. we're going to play a tune you've probably heard before as well. Thank God we played the B-side of Little Richard because you've heard this before, right? That was the B-side of Ray Charles. Um, oh, well, Ray Charles, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, well, th- this is the, the huge hit for, uh, J- that got James Brown started. Um, uh, back in uh, April of 56, uh, this one went to number five on the R&B charts, but it wasn't uh, a hit on the Hot 100. Not till it was re-released eight years later, and then it only went charted at number 95. So um, this is the original Please, Please, Please from April 56. And you had a chance to actually sit in on a James Brown interview. I actually did, yes. And he actually played a tune that you suggested he used to play. Well, um, as a keyboard player, I was influenced by James. And James was a keyboard player himself. So I played him a riff and James said those wonderful worlds. Yeah, what was that? I, man, I was starting to forget my own stuff. And you would turn the flavor and favor by saying, number one, Louis Armstrong, number two, Elvis, number three, Beatles, number four, Bowie, number five, Michael Jackson. How come James Brown is not on the list? Well... I don't know. You can you can expand this list, uh, you know, many many ways. Uh, you know, we're playing. Um, you know, we have been playing since with uh, the first uh, part one here and part two. All of these all of these people are are huge in their um, respective fields and genres. So it, it, I don't know. It's very pretty subjective, I suppose. And here is your favorite, The History of Black Music, Volume 2, Part 2, James Brown with... The Famous Flames. With special guest DJ... Eddie J. Please, please, please... Yes, I, 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 
Tonight when I beat her up, she's an awful sight. Taxi, taxi, take me anywhere. Gonna ride all night, can't even pay my fare. 
tell now about looking her eyes if I stick around. I love her to die. Taxi, taxi, take me anywhere. Gonna ride all night, can't even pay my fare. Taxi, taxi, take me anywhere. Taxi, taxi, take me anywhere. She got my money, but I don't even care. You know, I'm almost grown. Yeah, and I'm doing all right in school. They ain't said I broke no rules. I ain't never been in Dutch. I don't browse around too much. Don't bother me, leave me alone. And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, and the history of black music. Well, kind of Black History Month Part Two with special guest DJ ADJ. And what did we just hear right there? One of my favorite Chuck Berry records, Almost Grown. Actually, this is kind of a a personal thing with me because it was when I started collecting records. Well, let's see. This go actually way back in 59. I I found a copy that was was kicking around a record bin. So it became my first Chuck Berry record. And... You would like to say that the records you're playing today are pretty much original, except you're sometimes playing the reissues with the non-bubbles in them. <laughs> a couple, yeah. 
Um, but we played the original Please, 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 which had a huge bubble in it and played perfect. So that was great. All right. So Chuck Berry, uh, Chuck Berry, born in uh, 1926 in St. Louis, Missouri, and known for his guitar solos and showmanship. You know, he was a jailbird three times. And f- from 44 uh, to 47, he did time for armed robbery. And uh, and then in '62 he got three years in prison for uh, for the Man Act. He was when he brought a 14 year old the girl what over the state uh, line, the Man Act. Well, that's a law in the states, right? You cannot transport over young- county lines. And then he pissed on a girl. State lines, and um, well, I don't know about that. But in '79 he did time again for tax evasion. Um, it was Chuck, uh, Chuck Berry got, got to uh, Chess Records by way of Muddy Waters, who uh, introduced him. Uh, Almost Grown was, was a hit in, uh, in 59, April 59, was number 32 on the charts. And, of course, uh, Chuck Berry uh, had his first hit with uh, Maybelline back in, uh, that was uh, late, 1955. So Chuck Berry was one of the the three black guys that um, that broke the color barrier for for black artists into rock and roll. And uh, and of course before then we played Little Richard, who was uh, another one of the three guys uh, that led the way for for rock and roll. What and, was interesting is that was 1951, Little Richard. Yes, 1951, the original wax, I might say. that that I'm just about perf- perfectly uh, confident that that would have been the first time in Canada that the, the original wax has ever been aired. What is the difference between, like, promo versions of Elvis, Canadian issue, versus promo versions, versus American issue, you know, like, is there much of a difference between the Canadian issue of the American issue versus the American issue? Well, now that you mention it, actually, there is a difference. And uh, almost universally, um, the difference uh, is that the American wax is hotter. It's a hotter press, uh, the deeper grooves. Um, what, what do they call that? Um, at any rate, uh, the, the music jumps out of the needle. If you put a, a, a meter on it, the American records are always louder. It's called presence in the, in the groove. So they're more desirable. No. Um, nobody knows that except you and me and everybody is listening right now. For the... Black History Month Part 2 with special guest DJ Crazy So we heard right there some Little Richard from 1951. 1951 uh, on his uh, original label, which was the RCA label. Uh, Little Richard, like Chuck Berry, was one of the first uh, people inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1986. He helped shatter the color barrier on the music charts. And he and, was a good fan of Escarida. And he changed American culture. And yes, uh, he, from Escarida, he took Escarida's piano style, pompadour, and uh, lifestyle. Escarida was a gay man as well. And Little Richard called himself the king and queen of rock and roll. Take that, David Bowie fans. 
Um, before that, we had uh, another guy that led the way for, for black people into rock and roll, Fats Domino. Fats Domino had 37 top 40 hits. Uh, the Fat Man were originally charted in March 1950, was number six on the R&B charts, and within the next few years, by 53, it had sold a million copies. Um, Earl Palmer played drums. Earl, Earl Palmer became a very famous uh, session drummer. Ain't That a Shame was uh, the, the Fats Domino hit in 1955 that uh, broke through and became a top ten hit. Uh, Pat Boone had a watered-down version that became number one. Blueberry Hill sold over five million copies. And you thought perhaps that he was missing and or dead for a while, right? The whole world thought that. That's right. With Katrina, um, they everybody was very worried about him. And yes, uh, it was generally thought that he was uh, deceased. And uh, they found him about, um, I think it was about, about 10 days after the, the storm, in a rowboat. So he survived. He lost everything. And all his fans uh, from around the world sent him his records and, and memorabilia and stuff like that. Really a kind of a wonderful thing. Just quickly, Ed, Gary Shelton, Joe Houston, Philip Gary Schlein, Will Pop Jones. Yes. All passed away. <laughs> all passed away. Well, we all got to go. Okay, I was hoping that you would say something about at least P.F. Sloan. Um, 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 P.F. Sloan. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not really uh, zoned into P.F. Sloan at that time. I wanted to finish this set. We started the set with uh, Please, Please, Please by James Brown, born uh, 1933 in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, I believe. He was the singer, song producer, dancer, and band leader, the godfather of soul. He had 16 number one R&B hits. And right now, you wanted to end with a bunch of Canadian Vancouver artists. Well, Canadian artists, actually. And we're going to start with uh, a guy that was from, from Vancouver. Um, Harry Walker uh, was a black fellow. He was the leader of, of the High Fives. They started in, uh, in 1959. In uh, September of 61, they, they recorded uh, a record. Actually, um, one, of, one radio station down in Los Angeles charted this in the, into the top 20, although I don't think it sold very many copies. I know, I know one time a fellow was down there in, uh, in, uh, um, uh, he found a, a copy of, of Harry Walker's record on the American label. And he brought it up to, to the fellow, and the guy looked at it and said, I can't, I ain't selling you this. I've been looking for this one for 20 years. I'm keeping this for myself. But you have all three high fives. Yes, I have the Canadian label. I have the American promo uh, era label. And I have this super rare store-bought version as well. And what year is this from? This is September uh, 1961, and it charted local here. Uh, it's, it charted up to number 23 on C-Fun. Um, I'm just, uh, Tab Shorey was uh, the lead guitar player. 
Um, he died back in uh, in, in 2011 in Kamloops. Played lead guitar, drums and sax. He uh, had a chance to go on a Chubby Checker tour and declined it. Uh, Open Tabby's Nightclub in Kamloops. Went to Vancouver Tech High School in 1997. I, I got uh, Harry's autograph. And phone number. And if you go through the archives of the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, you will hear an interview with the High Fives, Harry Walker, and Mean Old... Mean Old Woman. Mean Old Woman with the History of Black Music, Volume 2, Number 2, with guest DJ... Eddie J! Is there any truth... Sometimes I think it's 
and you're still listening to The Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with special guest DJ Crazy Ed. And Black History Month comes to an end, part two, with... Sob, sob. Well, we started that set off with Mean Old Woman uh, by Harry Walker and High Fives, also known as by their fans as the Licorice All Sorts, because they had uh, East Indian guys in the band, white guys in the band, and Harry Walker himself being a black fellow. And then we heard Big Town Boy by Shirley Matthews. Uh, she was born in Harrow, Ontario, just south of Windsor. There isn't much south of Windsor. That must have been right up next to the border. Um, she was discovered by Bob Crew, who wrote that song. Um, on her website, it says that it sold a million copies. I kind of doubt that. Uh, it was only a hit in Toronto. It was number four in Toronto, but it was a huge hit there, 16 weeks on their charts. And you heard it. And uh, it bubbled at uh, number 104, so it almost got to the Hot 100. I heard it on Kixie Radio uh, a couple months ago. I was kind of surprised. I hear I'm listening to Kixie, and, you know, up here in Canada, we've got the uh, CanCon laws so that the stations have to play Canadian music. But I was listening to their station, and they played five can cons in a row and they didn't have to play any of them and i learned something about that record nerdware which i did not know so i listened to american radio station to find out that shirley matthew was backed up by the big town boys on big town boy and they actually played a big town boy as well which uh, I, I was i was shocked i almost drove off the road uh they played their version of uh it was i which was a skip and flip uh, um, hit back in 59, but they played it by the Big Town Boys. So I was very surprised. But anyway, Shirley Matthews was, uh, I think, the, the first black woman to record in, uh, in Canada. So, Black History Month Part 2, because we had Part 1 last week, comes to an end. You... Eddie J. personally curated and brought out these records. What would you say, your collection? Your collection started with Russian Bandstand and Chaos. That's when it really started, right? Could you explain, please? Well, back back in those days, you know, I was I was kind of pregnant with the idea of, of collecting records. I, I went to uh, a, a, one of these uh, drive-ins that they had back in the early 70s that were flea markets. And I found a kid that had uh, was selling a book of uh, a booklet of twelve records, and I wanted half of them, and uh, he wouldn't sell them to me. And then by the end of the day, I came back and he'd sold them individually. Uh, you know, so then I I thought, well, no, I don't want them because you know half of the ones that I wanted were sold. But I thought about that idea. I thought about it for nine months. And in the spring of 71, I started collecting records. So the first ones I was collecting, well, it was whatever popped into my hot little hands. And, of course, nothing can top the Russian bandstand or chaos. They are cut in weird records, right? Well, the, those those things were top of my want list for, for, for a while there. And actually, the, I, didn't, I didn't remember the two um, distinctly. So they kind of merged in my mind. So then I found chaos, and then I and then I had to find Russian bandstand after that. 
And right now, we're going to end Black History Month with King Size, and they are making a movie of Jason Hoover. They are? They are making a movie, a documentary. Wow. David Love Jones, African Rhythms on CITR on Friday nights, in fact, is doing a documentary on Jason Hoover. And we're going to hear King Size. I've got a Jason Hoover story. Because, you know, uh, I, used to, I used to play a little bit myself. In fact, at one time I was a one-man band, and uh, I was playing in a, in a club that deserves to be forgotten. And uh, I was having trouble with the equipment, and I, my, my, uh, my thing was cutting in and out. And uh, everybody in that club gave me the cold shoulder. Nobody would talk to me. The, the, the guy was offering free, free beer. He didn't even want to give me my free beer. And the only two people in the club that would talk to me were Jason Hoover and his brother. You should say that to David Love Jones at Vinyl Records, African Rhythms, for the upcoming Jason Hoover documentary. Well, if I do, maybe I would. But uh, otherwise, I think this is a little hard to do. And right now, we're going to end Black History Month Part 2 as personally curated by Eddie J. with what? King Size. King Size. Anything you want to say about King Size? It's a great record. Well, thank you very much, Ed. And thanks for having me, Nardwar. Do-do-do-do. Actually, do-do-do-do. Do-do-do-do. Almost do-do-do-do. Do-do-do-do. Almost do-do-do-do. Do-do-do-do. Trouble in your life.